to the War in Ukraine update from Kyiv podcast. Jessica Ganawa, a lecturer in international relations at Flinders University in Australia, and I'm talking today with Miroslav Maresh, a professor in political science at the Masaryk University in the Czech Republic. Miroslav focuses in his work on security studies, cybersecurity, and information warfare. Now, as we all know, in the conflict in Ukraine, at the same time as there's been a hot military conflict going on, there's been possibly equally important information war that's been taking place that stretches back many years further than the full-scale Russian invasion which took place on the 24th of February this year. So I thought today we'll take a bit of a zoom out and have a look with a view from the Czech Republic at some issues around disinformation, information warfare, and also how the Czech Republic has responded to these challenges, as I believe that this will be of interest not only from within the Czech context, but also for other countries and within other contexts as well. So thanks so much for joining me today, Miroslav. Thank you for the invitation, Jessica. It's very interesting and challenging for me. Can you provide some background on the issue of disinformation in the Czech context? I can confirm that it is a security issue and it is a serious challenge to the Czech security system. Why? Because uh, the Czech Republic, we can maybe see uh, as a battlefield of information warfare. And information warfare, including disinformation, could be successful only in societies which are divided societies. And this is also Czech society. And why is divided? Because it is divided in the sense of relation to Russia. Because uh, generally, the main political representation, they are pro-Western. But Czech Republic is located in the Central Europe. It occupies important strategic position. And a part of the Czech society is traditional focused on Russia as a main model for for Czech politics. And we can see maybe 200 years this struggle in Czech society between pro-Western and pro-Russian orientation. Due to this fact, the recent regime in Kremlin tries to impact on this pro-Russian part of Czech society. And it is very, it's very, very experienced in the, in the use of this information with the goal to have impact on this part of, of pro-Russian part of Czech society. So we are this battlefield of informational hybrid warfare, and we can see this Russian struggle to use these allies in the Czech Republic or also in some neighboring countries. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. And also how you, you mentioned at the start that this can only be effective where there's already a divided society. So there needs to be some receptivity in the society to the messages that are coming through. And this makes responding to disinformation notoriously challenging. How has the Czech government tried to respond to these campaigns of disinformation? In the pre-invasion era, maybe in 2014, in 2015, after the annexation of Crimea and start of this so-called uh, hybrid warfare, we can see in the Czech Republic some attempts to adopt the governmental security documents. We can see the growing tendency to adopt some measures into the governmental documents. Firstly, security strategy of the Czech Republic was adopted and a part is dedicated to the, to the hybrid warfare. Then 
was so-called audit of national security organized by the government, something like a check of the weak and strong points of the of Czech security structure and, and system and documents. And later, the, the so-called Center for uh, Center Against Terrorism and Hybrid Threats of the Ministry of Interior was established as a result of this audit. And also the Ministry of Defense has a responsibility for countering these this hybrid threats, including this information. And we have also volunteers. So this is not only the matter of government. The government is now relatively active in this sense. But we have also non-governmental organizations which are active in these fields. It's also sometimes important if someone is able to, to present counter-narratives. And uh, the one controversial step was the, was the recommendation to the Czech provider of the Czech domain CZ to stop five disinformation webs with pro-Russian narratives. Also, websites with this pro-Russian, pro-Kremlin narratives were, were really banned. But it's controversial, yeah, because the legal base for SESTEP is relatively weak, and we are now waiting for the court decisions in this case. Of course, it is also used in propaganda of these pro-Kremlin forces, because they say, look, you are doing the same as in Russia. I, I can imagine that in some emergency situation, in some, in some crisis, it is possible to ban some enemies' propaganda. So how do you need legal basis? It's now a controversial issue. Mm-hmm. That raises such important and difficult, complicated issues. Yeah. You mentioned that there was this sort of hybrid warfare that's been going on for many years. From within the Czech context, have you seen any shift since the 24th of February in the receptivity to those messages that maybe are coming out of, you know, sort of the Russian propaganda machine? I think that recently the Russian information warfare is not so successful as six or seven years ago or eight years ago, yeah? And why? Maybe that uh, many people see that this Russian propaganda is simply not correct, yeah? Because, for example, you can see now the mass use of this Words like oh, these words like Nazis or neo Nazis and Ukrainian fascist regime, etc. But the people, they have their own knowledge, they have all experienced these Ukrainian people, yeah? and they, they know that they are not fascists. So that's maybe one reason why this Russian propaganda is maybe successful only in this case of strengthening of pro-Kremlin position by these traditional pro-Kremlin activists. But they have now a relatively limited impact. Of course, what can be unfortunately more successful is this indirect strategy. For example, to to emphasize this growing prices of energy and oil, etc. Then many people ask if the government is really so good, if these pro-Ukrainian maybe activities are really successful, etc. But still, I think that the majority of people can accept the government explanation of this. Another issue is now migration. All of the Central European countries are now facing the huge migration wave from Ukraine. I think that the first wave of Ukrainian refugees was relatively well accepted. We can see also the wave of solidarity. Now we have topical issue with the Ukrainian Roma people. And this is connected with some long-term prejudices against Roma in, in the Central European area. And it's now hot issue because some people can accept maybe the Ukrainian, but if they see the Ukrainian Roma, that's maybe not so well received. Mm-hmm. So more of that focus in a way on sowing fractures and discontent within a society, that kind of indirect strategy, which then creates yes. societal polarization, as we had seen happening actually quite a lot 
prior to February this year. And then there was sort of a a moment maybe of more coherence. So just finally, I want to ask you, what do you think are the most important factors if we do want to combat disinformation? I think that's paradoxically something really indirect. It's maybe trust in your own democratic system, maybe also in maybe something like the self-confidence of the people, yeah? to, to, to really believe in your own democratic system. And if you are able to believe that your system and your values are better, I really think that if you have your own strong democratic position, then you are able to, to be resilient also to this disinformation. Unfortunately, many people are unsatisfied with their own lives, social problems, etc. They, they want to see or they want to find some solution in these authoritative ideas. And then they are able to believe that these informations are true. Mm-hmm. There's that really important factor of societal yeah. trust. Because this information, they are only part of, the, of this broader political warfare. And this political warfare can be successful only in these divided societies. Yeah? Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you are able to polarize a society, as you said, if you are able to divide a society into two parts, if you are able to maybe destroy trust in your own government, and mm. if the people then believe in, in the government of some external power, that's the point. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And building that important factor of trust seems like a long-term endeavor, but one that is yeah. very important. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Miroslav, and sharing your insights with us. Thank you for the invitation, Jessica. It was really interesting. You've been listening to the update from Key Podcast. Thanks to Mr. Smith for our theme music. See you next episode.